You are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today we have with us in the studio Tina. Tina is a spiritual being. We'll be right back with Tina, but first, let's talk about higher power. So I looked up an article in Psychology Today called Turning It Over by Ingrid Matthew, PhD. And I looked it up because I've been having conversations with somebody close to me about a connection connection to higher power. I am not religious. I don't go to church. I don't practice Buddhism. I don't have a single spiritual practice that I do. But that being said, I always feel loved by something greater than me. And I don't know. I just believe it's a higher power. I just believe that it's a, it's God or some representation of a higher power. I believe that. I just believe that that's something that's in my life. That's something that exists in this world. No proof, no chapters, no verse, nothing. Just, I just believe it. And I was realizing in talking to this friend how much that gets me through any hard times. And when I was walking across the country doing a big performance project, and I would walk 20 miles in 100-degree heat and just be, at certain points, physically miserable, but spiritually the happiest I've ever been. Because I was completely alone out in nature, just walking. And my only job was to get from point A to point B. And I felt completely safe and completely loved. And, And so I was thinking about the strength of that for me And I read this article, like I said, in Psychology Today called Turning It Over by Ingrid Matthew, PhD. And she says, in the absence, and this is an excerpt, in the absence of instantaneous fixes and direction, I was faced with my humanity in a way that was almost excruciating. If I wasn't aligning myself with something that I thought was good, quote unquote, and I was open to eventualities that I couldn't see coming, that meant I was open open to possibilities and feelings of uncertainty and anxiety, open to my vulnerability and feelings of shame, grief, and doubt. Being that open means experiencing the fullness of the present moment, of the great reality, and all of who I am and who I am becoming. I become less fragmented, which gives me greater compassion and the ability to make healthier choices. I'm less likely to swirl down in a shame spiral and more available to be honest with my friends and family. When control is underlining our attempt at surrender, the incongruous becomes more painful than the reality we are attempting to avoid. When we have to disavow aspects of ourselves in order to connect, that is not real connection. When we have to jump through hoops in order to please, we aren't in a healthy relationship. We're being codependent, even with God. Surrender means bringing our whole selves to the table and being open to whatever comes next in whatever timing it arrives. And that, that was part of my realization was that I'm a control freak. I had some difficulties in my childhood that just made me want to know what's happening, know what's going to, you know, some sort of certainty. Because if I can control the outcome of things, then I know I'm safe, Right. But that was one of those things about walking down the road. I had no control. I didn't even bring a tent. I knew I would cheat. I would just like sleep because that could put me in my own control instead of at the mercy of strangers. 
And something about that made that the most beautiful journey. And I forget it all the time. I forget that that's where my sense of safety and comfort comes from. That was, that was before my dad died. And I think some of my sense of safety was tied up in my dad loving me and knowing that. And so something about that journey and just being cut loose from everything, everything, like just what I had on my back, let me feel completely connected and not alone. And it's so hard in daily life to keep on track with that. It's easy when you're, it's weird. It's easy when you're walking down the road with nothing and no certainty and not even knowing where you're going to sleep at night. It's actually in some ways easy to connect. But when I'm in my daily life and bogged down with all the things I'm supposed to be doing, I just get caught up in the minutia and I'm not connected. So on that note, whether you believe in a higher power or not, I hope you all have something that you connect to that helps you feel vulnerable and in that vulnerability feel safe. Uh, much love to y'all. Today we have with us in the studio, Tina. Tina is a spiritual belief being. Hello, Tina. Welcome to the depression session. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. And we were, we were just starting to talk about crying, actually. Yeah. How cleansing it is. Yeah. And I, I feel like in our society, it's, it's like we're not giving it enough permission to cry. There's no space for it. There's no space for it. There's and no I, time for it. I hate to cry. I hate people to see me cry. And it's that thing I was just talking about. You feel so vulnerable. Yep. And being off my meds right now, that's how I feel. I just feel so vulnerable. I, I have jealousies coming up. I feel insecure. You know, like, like it's like I'm clawing out of my skin. But I, I liked what you, it's like perfect what you just read. You know, if you're okay with all that and you just surrender that to God, that there's no quick fixes. And yes, I'm feeling all this and I'm not going to judge it. Anything that's coming up. Yeah. And that's what I think is hard for me that I'm thinking something's wrong with me. But there really isn't. I'm judging like, oh, I'm not this perfect being right now. But God's not judging me or, you know, it's okay to just feel and let all of this come up. Yeah. And for some reason, and that's why I started this show. For some reason, that's not okay. For some reason in our culture, and I don't know if it's just American culture or if it's just us as as funny little human animals. It's not okay to be depressed. It's not okay to be depressed. It's not okay to be vulnerable. It's not okay to cry. And I've spent this past year doing this show just leading into that. All right, I'm not great. (laughs) I'm not doing okay. Exactly, and that's okay. And it's I've, only, I've read that in other cultures that depression actually isn't a bad thing. That all depression is telling you is that something's amiss. The soul, okay, the soul's been here so much longer than, at least I believe, than this physical body. So the soul just does what it does till it needs to do it. You know what I mean? But, in a, you know, in our fast societies, we just like take a pill, do whatever it is to, you know, be able to go. And... My reasoning of getting off these medicines is because I feel like I'm stuck in my life. Like I'm not being able to grow as a human being in my career, in maybe finding my mate, even finding the right place to live. And I feel like getting off the medicine is going to really bring out stuff that I need to heal. Maybe then I can have more clarity and just let the stuff go. Yeah. And it's hard because you also want to be safe. And I also want to be safe. Yeah. And finding that balance is not easy. No, you're right. 
You're right. It's not exactly. But I think, I think I'm blessed. I think I have a lot of good people around me. You do. And I'm you like, do. you know, going to, um, so I go to 12 step groups. I go to Co- codependence anonymous and that I've been out in it for seven years. Wow. And it's really helped me. Yeah. To like, just be able to feel and know that it's okay to take space, to have boundaries, to have your own time. And so that's really helped me. Yeah. And I think that I was thinking about boundaries the other day. You know, my only 12 step I've gone to is Al-Anon mm-hmm. and having those boundaries with people in my life that were alcoholics and just saying here, I love you, but I don't love this behavior. And I, I you can't ask me to. There you go. Beautiful. Right. And that that is what got me to a healthy relationship with quite a few people in my yeah. life and even people who weren't alcoholics, yeah. quote unquote, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just getting to a place where it's like. You can have the boundaries, mm-hmm. but still love the person. Yes. And I was talking to a friend about this the other day, that getting to a healthy place with somebody who has an addiction, I believe, this is just my belief, but you get there through love. Yes. And boundaries. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Well, I even feel like I've, I've had to apologize to a few friends because I feel like I'm telling people, okay, I'm off my mess because it's bringing them hostility. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, just bear with me. You have to center yourself if you're going to go out because, like you're saying, it's not other people's. You still have to respect other people. You, you just can't vomit on people. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I like, oh, you know, I'm feeling this and that. Like, Yeah, so do you want to tell us the story of your depression? So I think my depression, I came from India when I was 10 and a half years old, and I was very happy as a kid. I was being raised with my grandpa and my aunt, my mom's sister, and, and her brother in India. Like, kind of in India, like a village raises you. So I was a very happy, content kid. And then at the age of 10, I found out that my parents were divorced. I didn't even know that. Because they just came a few times to visit me. Like, so I didn't, like, really know them. But I, you know, so then they told me that they were divorced, which means they don't live together. They have other husbands and wives or whatever. And then I came here and lived with my mom and my stepdad, who wasn't very nice to me. All the moving around started the depression and... I don't know what bipolar is. Like, I'm not sure. I've been told maybe I'm bipolar. I don't think, like, you, people that are really close to me don't think I'm bipolar, like my family. But I do know that I go up and down, you know? Lots of abandonment, lots of moving around from family member to family member and just holding it all in. Well, I think I didn't realize that I was depressed till I left home for college, you know? Because before that, you're just with your family. Like, it was hard. And my dad was like a rager, like he was very like strict and, and I was just got, I got moved around so much that I didn't, it was, it was my first year in college that I, I, I drank some peach snaps with my roommate and I tried to jump out the window and my friend said, and, you know, that was the beginning for me. I got, I got in a hospital, you know, they took me to the university hospital and that's when I was like, then it hit me like, oh, I have issues. And then it all cut, you know, like all the whatever happened from the age of 10 to 18. Because before that, I was with my family, and here I'm in college, and, like, I'm by myself now. And then it all hit me, like, oh, wow, what just happened in these eight years? So that's when it kind of started. For me, it's like I go through, like, really deep lows, and then I can go through highs, you know? But I think the highs are really just to cover up, you know, the lows, right? We don't, like... I think that's what manic depression is. Now that I think about it, it's like... I was always like trying to make everybody happy and be the clown. 
to cover it up because like who wants to be around somebody that's constantly like sad and I've been on antidepressants for like 10 years now before that I never was mm-hmm. just try to do the best with it and I've had I think my depression has really I think it's affected my career stuff where that's been like the part of my life where I haven't been able to quite like master it so maybe that's you know some somewhere it's really affected I think my biggest thing is like being okay with it. Being okay that, you know, a lot of crap happened to me. It's changed my brain chemistry. So what I'm learning is like, it's called holes in the head. I know that sounds weird, <laughs> holes in the head. <laughs> this gentleman's, it's called the addictive mind or the addictive brain. This He's written this book about, so as a child, when we have a lot of trauma, it actually changes your brain chemistry. So that's why some of us are more, because I, I have such an addictive personality from TV to you know, food, because it's like, you. I guess you didn't get what you needed as a child, you know? So it's like you get more addictive. So that's what I've had to deal with. That's why I go to Codependence Anonymous, really helps me. I also go to Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. Not that I'm a sex addict, but I'm a love addict. So like, I get really attached to people without knowing them, you know, because it's like that love you want that you didn't get as a child. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I don't feel safe, like... I have a lot of people in my life that I feel like are kind of discrediting me right now. And I don't I have compassion for them. I think they just don't get it. I don't think everybody gets depression to the... I think everybody gets depressed, mm-hmm. right? I just don't know if they get depressed to the point I get depressed. So it's like there's some people that will tell me, just shake it off. It's not a big deal. You're just feeling what everybody feels. And that doesn't make me feel good. So I realize they're not safe for me right now. That's okay. They're just, they're not, either they're not getting what I'm doing or they haven't gotten deep into their own, you know, psyche to understand what's going on. Because I've done that my whole life. I don't need other people to tell me, oh, shake it off. Oh, that's not working anymore. So I'm, I'm not doing that. I've done, you know, from my 20s, I've, I've done therapy. I've done a lot of spiritual work on myself. I meditate. I do yoga. Yoga really helps me. Walks and nature. And just being genuine, like that's why I love 12 step groups because there's no, no, people are just talking really, you know, there's no like facade, everybody's just, and it feels me, there's a whole science to this 12 step stuff. And that, so that's really healed me and like just trusting the higher power that, you know, it's, it's all okay. And I'm really glad I'm doing it right now because, you know, this is so synchronistic that I met you Laura last night because... Even last night, I was like, my aunt just called her, I was driving here, and she's like, just get back on them. And I said, just take a breath, take a breath, it's okay. And now now that I cried it out, now I'm feeling better. They just needed to cry it out. So I'm giving myself a month just to see how I feel. If not, then maybe I can think of getting on back on them or some other substitute. I just went to Costco and got 5-HTP, some kind of natural amino acid that's, that promotes good stuff mm-hmm. for the brain. Just doing more creative stuff, you know, maybe like expressing the grief and sadness. And being my biggest thing that I think I deal with, which I think a lot of people is the toxic shame around it. You know, there's so much talk. I don't want to feel this. I don't want to have to grieve it or, but it's okay. It happened. It has to, I guess it just has to be released. I've been drinking and partying a lot, and I just feel like, okay, that's good, but that's not really helping me, so I need to, you know, do that less and, like, I mean, do that some, but 
always got to do that. So, but like also do the good stuff. I'm going to go home to see my family in New York in two weeks, which could be good or bad. Let's see. Good thing is I'm being really honest with them. I'm letting them know, even though in my in culture, you know, we don't talk about depression at all or stuff. So, but you know that I'm on these meds and, and I've also realized that it's not safe for me to completely talk to my family constantly about it because they haven't dealt with their shame. So they, I, the, the affirmation, the acknowledgement that I'm looking for from them, I'm realizing I'm not going to get, and I'll get that with people that are ready to look at their own stuff. So that's been a big lesson for me because whenever I get really authentic and open with my heart and I go to them, I don't get the response that I want. Like I was just talking to my other aunt when I was driving here and she, she'll always kid her, like she won't want to go deep with it. You know, she kind of just like skirts around and that's okay. That's okay. I hope so. I hope I can make it. I hope I can make, make it and just like find other solutions so that I, I don't have to be on chemicals. But if I do, I'm not going to judge myself. If I do, I do. Yeah. Thanks for sharing your story. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah. There are a bunch of things I relate to in that. The, the big one you touched on at the end, which is shame. I don't. I don't know why there's so much shame for having feelings. Why is that? I don't know. It's so, it's the most natural, obvious thing, human thing that, that we have. That was Yeah. We're, we're going to have emotions. We're going to feel happy. We're going to feel sad. Right. And for some reason, I think it's. And why is happiness more okay than sadness? Right? Yeah. That's why I've always been. Trying to make everybody laugh because, like, happy, you know, people want to be happy, which is good, but you need, it's like, if you're going to be happy, you're going to be sad. Yeah. It's, it's, I think that's probably the hardest thing for me is that I, people really like the side of me that's calm and easygoing. And I don't know that I'm that fun per se, but I'm like a kind of, you know, I go to a get together yeah. and just chat with people, but yeah. I'm not like, I'm not like, Making jokes and, you know, I'm right, not right. that like fun, the fun person right. at the party. You're a fun person. You know, I'm just sort of easygoing and, you know, I'm kind of upbeat, I think, in general. Like yep. upbeat. That's yes, I'm sort of upbeat. Yep. So people are shocked when I say I have depression. I they're, they're shocked. They're yeah. like, you? You're the happiest person I know. Oh, my God. And I'm like, well, I hate to burst your bubble, yeah. but I'm a full, complete person. Right. Who Thank also you. is down. It's very, very hard for me to tell people that because only my closest friends will say, oh, yeah, I get it. Or or like you said, you'll tell people and they're like, oh, shake it off. Well, you know what you can do? Oh, if you eat right, you actually, they give you advice. Exactly. That's what and, I'm getting a lot right now. Instead of getting in there with you and going, oh, I know just how you feel. Or just, just, or hold, just hold your hand. Or, or holding space for me to do. Victor, I told you the gentleman I met, he said, it's okay. Find people that will hold space for you. And right now, that's why I'm going to go to my meetings. That's really where, Laura, I'm going to find the most, where people will hold space. Any day, I don't want to just take a drink or do anything to not feel this right now. But it's great. It's like the reward of, you know, having, I want to get on the other side already. I don't want to keep doing this. So you're right. It, it, in our society, people, it's very hard for people to hold space, for people to just listen without giving advice and fixing. Yeah. Everybody wants to fix everybody. What did my aunt say? They're worried. My aunt and uncle, you know, my uncle's a doctor. Oh, just take the medicine. They're worried. You know, they're like, she's not going to go to work. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And I got a lot of advice. You ever on medicine? No. And I got a lot of, 
when I was having kind of panic attacks and I'm really bad anxiety and a little bit of paranoia, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which is like totally shameful for me. Like that's the worst thing. Like I was oh. out and out paranoid, felt followed, just awful. And knowing that it wasn't true and knowing that it you was me. shameful about it. Yeah. And I felt so much shame over that. Yeah. And then my mom was worried. I said, mom, all I need for you to, is for, to listen. And you let me know when it's too much. And you oh, need good. a break, but I, I don't, I don't need you to fix it and I'm not going to harm myself. Right. I, you know, I know that. Yeah. And if I was, I would call you and tell you that I was in deep trouble, good. you know, but good. just, yeah. and she, it, she said, this is so, so hard for me. I don't like to see you like this. And I said, I know I get that, but I need you to be there to just listen. So was that after your dad passed on? Yeah. 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 I was just having an awful anxiety, oh. paranoia, just the worst. Yeah. And the thing about it was, you know, I just felt alone in that. And people would be like, well, my mom said maybe she takes some medication. I even went and tried to get medication and couldn't get through to anybody. And it was just like one phone call after, you know, it was just like the, I didn't it's have like, insurance and it was right, this, like I wasn't in the system and I couldn't get the help that I wanted. And right. by the time I was given some medication, I had decided, you know, I don't think medication is the thing for me to do right now. Good. I know I'm having paranoia. I know I'm having depression. Yeah. And you know what? I can sit with this. I just, I need a couple people who can support me. Exactly. What it is, Laura, it, the body's crying out. It just wants to be acknowledged. What, like, I just cried it out. It's acknowledged. It's feeling a little better. You know, but we're fighting it. We're not acknowledging it. So it's just like, it's like repressed in there. It's actually, I think people make the impressions worse by not really seeing it. You know? Yeah. You know, but. And there just, are so few friends that I told until I went and told the world. <laughs> you know, right. but I, in yeah. the midst of that, I was telling my mom, I was telling Dan, I was yes. telling my friend Gigi, right. you know, telling Sandy. And that was kind of it, you, you know, because I was like, well, these are people that I can tell and they're not going to try to fix it for me. Beautiful. And you find those people. I feel like you find those people and that's it. That's, you know, and I if you need one of my spiritual mentors, while I was, you know, so I'll call him once I leave. He's in California. He's been really supportive of me getting off the meds for years. So I said, hey, here I am. You told me to call. So, I, you know for support I need it right now like this is it I'm, I'm in this he's such a like high being that I'm like okay just listening to him if he's holding space for me I'm feeling very alone Laura I'm feeling very ashamed like I, I, all the parties I went to I was just like why am I feeling like this look at these other people talk about it you know and then I feel like when people come to me with their problems or anything I'm so compassionate and you know I'm like that's okay it's just everybody's been through a different journey yeah and it's hard to practice compassion. It's hard to practice compassion. Not for me. I try to be compassionate. Yeah. People. But for a lot of people, you're right. Maybe it is looking at themselves in a way they don't want to look at or being open to the possibility that your friend struggles and you are not supposed to do anything about it. Exactly. You're not even supposed to. Not just that you can't, but you're not supposed to right. do anything for exactly. them. Exactly. Except hold space. Except, but that, like you just said, nobody's really held space. They all, everybody's been really great about telling me what to do. Take this medication, you know, eat this, <laughs> eat chocolate. <laughs> Except when I call my recovery friends. It's like I have my normal friends. I call them my normal friends. And then my recovery friends. They get it because they're, you know, they're, they're wanting to deal with it, you know? Yeah. They're wanting to get real with it. And, and no, it's no judgment against my non-recovery friends. But right now I feel like, okay, Tanu, what do you need more? 
if you're going through this, you, you need more of your recovery friends. And a lot of my non, I love my non-recovery friends, but they're boozing it up, they're dead. whatever they're doing to maybe not feel the pain is that if, if I'm not there right now, is that what I really need? And I feel like the real thing that I'm asking people to do when I'm asking them to hold space, I'm actually asking them to allow me to struggle. Mm. Yes. You know? Yes, of course. Yeah. Just let me do what like I need to do. Don't fix it. Don't judge it. <laughs> don't, don't judge it. <laughs> it's this weird thing of like, you're looking for space. You're looking for compassion. You're looking just to be able to struggle and yeah. so have somebody who can let you struggle. And I've been very lucky to find those people in my life. Yeah. And at the same time, we're not always in a good place to provide that for other people. And so it's just, if you're triggered and your reaction is, why don't you go on meds? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> then you just let yourself be, it's that, it's that letting everything be what it is. You're right. And I've been going to this spiritual, his name's Ananta. He, he does these spiritual talks. And that's what he says. He said, even if you're jealous or you're upset, just don't judge it. Let it be. It's just, you yeah. know, you're right. Just accepting what's coming up. Yeah. And I think you're right. Our society, we, we are so not wanting to, that's what Victor was talking about. Like, it's just hard in America to live from the heart. Yeah. To just be okay to, to live from the heart. That's why I love this show. People come on and I just say, be authentic. That's it. Just be authentic. That's it. Wow. And it's so great because people really can tell things from their heart. And I think depression for me, that's the gift it gives me is being able to really be in a place of heart, wholeheartedness. Yes, me too. Because it, it doesn't. And I think that's been my fear with medication was was that it would numb that. Well, that, that's what I'm trying to tell you. 11 years. Laura, my best friend. I'm so mad at her, but I'm like, don't be mad at her. I moved here. I was I was alone, Laura. I had left New York City. I didn't have a friend. I didn't know anybody in Tucson. Of course I was upset. She goes, go to see a psychiatrist because since college you get like this. Because I get really sad. That's okay. Let me, why does it bother me if I get really sad? Well, I went to the doctor and... You know, 11 years later, I'm addicted to these things. And that's that's why I'm getting off, because I don't want to be numb. It's like all they're doing is numbing that. Yeah. How is that helping me, though? And with meds, I can't judge it, because I've had people come on the show that that was the thing that's kept them here and able to process the stuff they needed to process. Oh, it's really? like It's like it can work so differently for everyone. For some people, it's the thing that makes it possible to get through their day. And for other people, it's something they never want to do, you know? And so I'm still trying to figure out what that is for me. Yeah. yeah you're right. It's such a personal, it's it such is. a personal decision. And it's okay. No yeah. judgment. If the meds help you calm down and function. Yeah. Or for me, if I needed to, I would take them to get through a rough patch, but I think I'd want to go off again. And then it's like trusting yourself to take care of yourself when you need it. Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. and, and get help if you do. Like I told you, I'm giving it till December, till December 13th, then, then I'm going to reevaluate. Maybe I need a lesser dose. Yeah. If I do decide to go back on for it. Or you could be off and it could be fine, or you could be off and let, no shame, go back on. <laughs> exactly. Maybe it's just still not the right time for me to yeah. get off. You know what I mean? Because nobody's life's perfect. It's just yeah. like God gives you challenges. But maybe some of us, do you think, just feel more deeply? I think so. But Dan showed the movie Sensitive. I wanted to see that, you know, how was that? It was good it because was good. I had read the book, the highly sensitive person. 
you know what I'm going to do? It's good I came here because it's making me realize I just need to surround myself with really loving people yeah. that, are, that, are, that are open right now so I don't feel bad about what I'm going through. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Maybe the love, love is just the key to all of it. Love is the key to all of it, Laura. I, I agree. Well, that's a perfect way to end the show. Thanks awesome. so much for being on the Depression Session. Thank you for having me. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.